All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuck nicks, what's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. I'm broadcasting from a very awkward position. I'm not in a uh, hot air balloon or anything, but I'm at the edge of a sofa in a hotel room trying a different mic than I usually use on the road, which requires a little stand, and they don't have a desk in this room, just a sort of round side table at the edge of this small sofa, so I'm kind of leaning over the armrest and trying to get the angle right to speak into this mic correctly, which sits in its own little stand on the table in front of my computer, which seems far away to me. That's a lot of information that's unnecessary, isn't it? Right? Who gives a fuck? As long as it sounds okay. That's what we're concerned about here. Okay sound on the road. Not amazing sound on the road. Okay sound. I think it sounds pretty good. Enough. I'm in Charleston right now. Charleston, South Carolina. Have not done the show in Charleston yet. But I have been eating. I have been out in the South eating the food, doing the stuff, driving around the rural roads, enjoying the scenery. Today on the show, I talked to uh, Kate Berlant. Uh, she's a, a an actor and a comedian. Many of you may know her from uh, Sorry to Bother You uh, or, or I Think You Should Leave and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She has her own episode of the Netflix sketch series, The Characters, and she's done a lot of sketch comedy with John Early. They have a new Peacock special called Would It Kill You to Laugh, which I saw. She also worked with me on Easy. She played, a, uh, I think, a book publicist. I had a lot of scenes with her. She's an, uh, an odd presence. But funny, and I didn't really know her. I, I was a little in, uh, a little intimidated, a little nervous in terms of uh, couldn't figure out where she was calibrated, what was her trip, you know, where's she coming from. And so this was uh, an exciting uh, conversation we had. But more about the tour. Can we? Can I talk to you? So what did I do? I did Durham. I flew into Durham. Took a minute getting out, about an hour and a half, two hours late on American, not complaining, it happens. It was weather. There was weather. And there was weather flying into Durham. There's like a thunderstorm. It was interesting because I could, it's weird when you can feel the pilot take control of the plane before he usually does. It's not just autopiloting in. It's not just, you know, flip down the uh, the landing gear. It's like, oh, he's he's got he's to maneuver around these converging storms to find the least heinous ride. And he warned us. He warned us. He said, you know, we're going to get everyone seated a little early, going to get the flight attendants to close up shop about an hour early. We're going to come into a thing, two converging weather systems. We've got to sneak down the middle. of The last time I heard that on a plane, it was terrifying. And it was going pretty well. And this is the same pilot that before we took off said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, we're all ready to take off, but we've got to get the uh, the ground crew to come over and start one of the engines manually. The other one we started with the switch, but we got to get one started manually, and we should be on our way. What does that mean? Like, uh, like are they gonna, you know, kickstart it? Is it like a little? Is it like a, a lawnmower ripcord thing? What do you call those? <laughs> is it? <laughs> not a great thing to say without explanation we got to manually start one of the engines so that's the same pilot that told us about the converging weather systems and he maneuvered us in to uh, raleigh durham airport a little late but it was no, no problem i was okay i didn't have much to do 
but uh, it did it did right when we were about to land, right when he could see the finish line. I could see the ground and say, like, we're, we're close. Maybe we wouldn't get hurt if we fell from here. And it started to rock, man. Some big drops and sways. But I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm in moments like that, and I realize, like, or something in me says, you know, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be how it goes. This isn't going to be how I die. So here we go. Anxiety. Can we talk a minute? This happened. This is a real life story. And then we'll, uh, I'll bring, I'll bring Kate, I'll bring Kate Berlant out. <laughs> I'm going to bring her out. going to have, she's, uh, she's waiting backstage right now. Some of you know I like pottery. The last time I was down here, I went to Seagrove. I bought a shit ton of pottery. And what who I didn't get out to see Brian Jones, the guy who makes mugs for my guest, he's a big fan of Mark Hewitt, who apparently was one of the kind of uh, one of the godfathers of the new wave of Seagrove potters. And his place is out in Pittsburgh, and it's by appointment only, apparently. But Brian Jones thinks that Mark Hewitt's a genius and a great potter. And I, I looked at some of the stuff, it looked great. And I, I, the last time I was in town, I, I made an attempt to go, but it was an appointment only thing, and there was no, I couldn't go. So now I'm driving. I guess I'm driving from uh, Durham, right, to Charlotte. And I'm like, well, fuck it, man. Am I going to go look at pots? I don't have much room for pots. So maybe I'll go look at pots. And I, I texted Brian Jones. I'm, should I? And he's like, go see Mark Hewitt. I'm like, oh, I got to call. So I call the number on Mark Hewitt's website. And it, it's like, this is the home of Mark Hewitt. Uh, you know, the, if you want an appointment to see the work you have to call carol so now i got a second number so now i'm dialing another number i'm writing numbers down in my car i call this other number a woman answers i'm like is this carol she's like yes who's this i said it's mark Marin, dropping my name heavy just to maybe get in to see some you know some jars and mugs uh yeah i just want to see if i can get an appointment with uh with with the gallery to see some of the work she's like oh you've called on a great day we had a kiln opening it's a kiln opening this only happens like twice a year and today's the day from 10 o'clock to five it's a kiln opening all the stuff that we just that just came out of the kiln is going to be open uh it's going to be open studio from 10 to 5 or whatever i look at the the clock and it's like it's 10 30 and I'm an hour away. I'm not going to get there to 11.30. So I, I say, okay, okay, I'm coming. But I, I immediately went into like a, some sort of strange panic, like literally a spiral. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to get there. There's going to be nothing left. Is there going to be parking? Is there going to be a line for pots? I mean, are, how, how big is the parking lot? Is it out in a field? How many people? Is it, I, I mean, are, are there going to be bathrooms? Like, are there porta potties there? I mean, what's going to be the situation? I'm freaking out. That there's not going to be a mug or a, or a jar for me to buy at Mark Hewitt's because I'm going to be like half hour to 40 minutes late for the kiln opening show. Like it's just going to be pandemonium. Some ceramic groupie clusterfuck out there. Like I'm picturing I'm going to get there. I'm going to be on a long line to get into the studio. People are going to be walking by with just quality ceramics. I'm going to look at their pots and their jars. And I'm going to be like, fuck, God damn it. I knew I'd... I'd miss it. I knew I'd miss it. There's not going to be any mugs or pitchers or jars for me. No, no cool glazes. I fucking blew it. I get there. Like 12 people there. Some nice ladies come to see the glazes. But I'll tell you, man, stunning pottery. Stunning work. Huge wood-burning kiln. Like, there's several. There's an old one. There's a new giant one. It's like the size of a truck. Like, it looks like a giant... Uh, oven 
like made on the ground out of mud. There's a gas kiln there too for other stuff, but I got a tour of the kiln and uh, I talked to Mark. It's on the, it's on my Instagram if you want to see it. And I bought a bunch of beautiful stuff and he's going to ship it to me. I don't even know where I'm going to put it, but I had to have it because I got there ahead of the curve, man. I got there in time. There was still stuff there. But uh, it was interesting to talk to him. He's uh, kind of a, he's the guy. He's the, he's, the, he's the potter. He's the one of the region. There's a lot of potters down there. And a lot of good ones. I bought a lot of good work down there. But a lot of these guys who are down there started out with him. I imagine some of them are getting pretty mad if they're listening to this. There, there's got to be some guys there, not unlike any other art. They're just like, nah, fuck Hewitt. Fuck that guy, man. Look at the work I'm doing, man. This is way ahead of where he's at. He's old school. Beautiful stuff. It was beautiful stuff. I'm excited to have it in my house. Nice guy, too. British. Real gentleman. Knows his shit. So listen. Kate Berlant, uh, she has a comedy special. A stand-up special, which it's not clear whether or not it's going to be on or not, but I watched it. But she's also got this other comedy special with John Early, and it's called Would It Kill You to Laugh? It premieres this Friday, June 24th on Peacock. And this is me talking to Kate Berlant. So, wait, who tells you to not drink seltzer? I mean, who is the lady? What this, kind of person is that? This, you know, kind of holistic woman. General? Or a general holistic woman that you know in passing or somebody that you go to? <laughs> you know what I'm concealing? It was a colonicist. Oh, so you're hiding the colon? I was hiding it because I knew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was hiding it. Hiding the colonic? (laughs) I know. I went to to a colonic guy in New York. Yeah, that's where they really, the huge community there, apparently. Really? The Gravity Colonic. No, I don't know what it was, but. Is the water up here? Well, no, it's like they, yeah, there's a machine. That means gravity. Like here in LA, there's like the ones where they're sideways and those are supposed to be too intense. Like the proper Ayurvedic way is like you want it. It's called the gravity method. Is it good? I don't know if it's good. We just had one. (sighs) I had two. So, so. What's driving that? How much time do we even have? (laughs) Because what is driving it? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. You know. um, Yeah. People abuse them. I was just sort of curious, and yeah. then of course it like made me like gives you like a full body high. It does it in sort of way. Yeah, yeah. I like felt God. Are we really? Yeah, at kinda, the colonic. Yeah, a little bit. Hmm. I had a little bit of um. It kind of took. It really takes you out of the everyday embodiment kind of status, but. But was the high just of the the sort of transgressive nature of having you know a tube in your butt? Yeah, and yeah. Lick, and water or probably the, the idea of feeling really clean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I because it, it's I kind of you know like alarms go off around like being like, and I'm finally clean and, and yeah. emptied. Like it's like yeah. I don't want to like fall so into you, that trap, right. but there oh. is something the eating disorder trap. Yeah, yeah, sure. Of just like you know, every four days I go in there and yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's there is like an eating disorder thing where again the way she was talking to me about seltzer being a treat. Yeah, I was like, we're not going to connect. <laughs> like, they're just automatically yeah. like, I can't. No. I am like a hedonist, absolutely. And like, I can't pretend. Is this an older lady? No, well, 
By the way, she looks amazing. Yeah. Like she, and she'll say, you know, her thing is like the beauty elements of colonic. She's yeah. like, I think she might be in her early 50s. Uh-huh. And she she looks like really beautiful. Like, like a lot of very liquid. Like naturally kind of like, yeah, hydrated, like yeah, color yeah, in yeah, the yeah, face. Yeah. But like stripped down bare, like no she, makeup. Do you think she's a colonic addict? Oh, For I sure. cannot imagine her bowels. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, stripped. Heard, isn't, but isn't it, uh, don't you disrupt your whole uh, gut garden? Yeah, that's the, the thing. Fauna? It, can, it can wash out the, the proper fauna. Like, uh. it's something I have to hide from my mother. Oh. Because if she heard, she'd be like, like, she, at one point, I mentioned, I was like, oh, I'm actually going to try a colonic. And it was yeah. like, her face dropped and she was like, please talk to a doctor. Promise me you'll talk to a doctor. Like, she completely, because like doctors were definitely like the religious figures in my in my house growing up. Yeah. So it's, it was like, you know, Which the fauna. Which one's the Jew? Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> the jury's out. My dad's full, like, New York Jew. Yeah, right. My mom's family's from Spain, but but uh, they were, like, secret Jews. Oh, conversos? And so, well, Like, her, from way back? Well, her her name is Mendez. Like, my name yeah. is actually Mendez Berlant. Yeah. And Mendez, it's like having the name Cohen in Spain. Really? And my grandparents were diamond dealers in the south of Spain in, like, the Jewish ghetto. But were, were, they, were they Jews that, like turn Catholic during the Inquisition kind of thing? That's kind of the idea. Oh, really? Yeah. And then apparently my grandmother on her deathbed was like, we're Jews and died. <laughs> and so, and there's no, so I was- Good luck. Yeah, yeah. And so there are people in the family who are kind of like, nah. But yeah. there isn't any, there's no darkness around that. It doesn't feel like intrinsically anti-Semitic. Right. There's just sort of this, there was like no religion outside yeah. of just kind of like, oh, you go to church, you dress up and whatever, yeah. but- Yeah, You grew up here? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The I whole know, time? I know, I, I ooze New York. Well, I mean, <laughs> you spent time, though, in New York. I lived in New York for, like, eight years. Yeah. But wait, what did you do here as a kid? Did you go to that school in Santa Monica? No, I went to an all-girls school. <laughs> what was that, what's that one called? Called Archer Crossroads. Yeah. I was supposed to go to Crossroads because <laughs> my dad's an artist. Yeah. You know. Well, that's what I figured. I was supposed to go to Crossroads. Yeah. I went for my half day. I got too scared. What do you mean? Because the kids were so cool. And I think, like, I was scared, like, there were boys and yeah. there were these cool girls being like, have you given a blowjob yet? And yeah. I was like, I want to go to the girls' school. <laughs> so I went to the girls' school. <laughs> so, really? That was the first question? Yeah. yeah. So I, it's a, like, distinct memory is, like, staring at their high heels and being yeah. like, oh, no. How old, when does that start? Oh, my God. I mean, that was, I was, I was young for my grade, so yeah. I think I may have been 12 and they were 13. What kind of artist is your dad? He works in metal. Like, they look like paintings, but they're metal. But he's like a real thing, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a real thing. Like he's in the Whitney? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to be like, I'm from LA. My parents aren't in entertainment, but, yeah. but my dad is an artist. But like- so uh, That was nurtured in Legit, me. high level. Yeah. But, but like, not like Dustin Hoffman in that, in that movie with uh, Adam Sandler and uh, Ben Stiller, right? Which one? Oh, which I love. Yeah, it's great. What's it called? The Moskowitz. The story, the something stories? When I tell you I wept, because they go deep into the into the archive at the Whitney yeah, or something, right, just and to I was find like, the "Well, piece. there I am." I was like, "That will be me being like, he was important, damn it!" You know, he's like known thing. in certain, like my dad's like known in like certain groups, sure, but like, sure. But and I like, of course, now like relate to that more, like, yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. like his friends they got like so huge, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, and eh. yeah, he's going to go find his little piece. Absolutely. Who are his peers? Uh, like, um, what, what was he part of a of a thing? So, like the Ferris Gallery in LA, like yeah. his best friends um, were Ed Moses and Chris Burden. Oh yeah, who Chris Burden now aren't alive, but yeah, Chris. He was like performance artist. Yeah, guy. yeah. Like, that was crazy shit. Yeah, he was like way the fuck out there. I yeah, that was like one of my first jobs was working for him. And really? He, yeah, and he he was sort of the thing that people know him for is like he got shot. Yeah. And actually what the performance piece was is a bullet was supposed to just graze his arm and cut him. Yeah. But he accidentally got shot. Right. But yeah, he was that 
that he guy. did all kinds of stuff though. Didn't he have like like some sort of? Or was he out in Topanga or something? Yeah, that's where I worked. He had really? this beautiful, amazing studio in Topanga. Um, where he but he did his wife, visual stuff, performance stuff, all of it. He was one of all those of guys, full yeah. PT Barnum art star. Absolutely, like brilliant. Like loved his work so much, and then. He was such a like completely kind like yeah. You always imagine like the guy who shot himself. He must be crazy. He was like completely like just normal, sweet. What was some guy. of the other work? I don't know all his work. Did so he did. There definitely was a lot of body stuff and yeah. kind of endurance pieces. Him like being shoved in a locker and like sure. kind of like living in it for however long. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did anti Houdini, the, the anti Houdini stuff where he can't get out. Yeah, and he doesn't want to. No, no. And, but then sculptures <laughs> like a piece that I worked on was he had an installation at Rockefeller Center. Um, the piece was called What My Dad Gave Me, and it was an erector set skyscraper. Oh, okay. So I was like in this kind of assembly line. Yeah, yeah. Um, making this like one little piece was like my job. So it's like super gluing this little erector piece. How old were you? All day. 19. So when you're doing that, are you are you sold? 19, 20. Are you like, this is it? This it is It actually art. was so fun because you're in a room in Topanga with like, you know, interesting people. Yeah. You're just like listening to music and talking all day. Yeah. So I had a blast. Yeah. And, but was it your future? <laughs> um, no. I mean, I, I, I had jobs working for artists, um, but I was doing, at that point, I was already doing stand up, and that was like what I wanted to do. Because you had jobs with artists because of your dad? You yeah. Just sort of your dad would be like, uh, you want to work for, uh, what's his name? He's got to yeah, yeah. make something out of foam. Yeah, totally. It's like a great day job, like for Ed <laughs> Moses, like stretching canvases, like destroying paintings. Oh, destroying like he, them? Yeah, he'd be like, I don't want that one. Like, rip it up. I'm like, okay, it's kind of oh, fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's like a big guy, too. Yeah, I yeah. I kind of know his work. Yeah. Right? Mm hmm. I, w I think I feel like I've seen it recently. So, yeah, he's a big like painter, like LA. I mean, yeah, he also you know died a few years ago now. Ed Moses. Ed Moses. Yeah. I feel a little. I, I mean, I know more than I, I know some things about yeah. art, but not enough. Yeah. For this particular specific conversation. <laughs> well, you knew Chris Byrne did some wild stuff. So I did that's, know that. That's true. Yeah. He he made an impact. There yeah. was a couple of guys that did sort of weird shit. There was a guy. I remember reading about a guy back in I guess it must have been the eighties who who went to Mexico. Mm -hmm had sex with a prostitute and then mm -hmm. had a visectomy and that was his presentation. That was the piece, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Everyone left their life changed that night. Yeah. And said, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah I, I I tend to like it myself. Yeah. Because it's because it's the poetry of it. Even in telling the story, there's a sense to it where you're sort of like, a guy did that on purpose. Like he conceived of it. Yeah. And he decided he was going to spend his last load they're like i don't know i wonder if it was something tells me it might have been a corpse not a prostitute no way actually maybe well that changes the narrative a lot totally yeah yeah that's a re that reframes the whole piece it's a better piece yeah <laughs> now there's something i can hold on to yeah <laughs> yeah so at the catholic school was that a just nightmare it wasn't catholic Oh, I thought you said it was, it was a just secular, a secular all girls school. How does oh really? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah? <laughs> was it just um like uh bougie uh kids from Santa Monica? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean it was like very strangely I really liked middle school, I think because it was it was a small it was a small school. It kind of felt like utopian because it was just like friends and there was kind of a purity and innocence to that time. Like I didn't feel yeah. I was like just so 
hypercharged and was like clowning constantly and like climbing the lockers and like I, I just was um, clowning like you mean you were screwing around or you're actually consciously clowning as in you weren't a clown thing no no oh yeah oh my god can you imagine can you imagine I don't know I started to experience clown which really is um, not such a great clowning um, but it is a dirty word in this industry uh, no I was just like manically you know joking I was right. like, and I felt like free and I was completely at that age too like my friends my closest friends were really kind of these like beautiful girls who were like already on birth control and I was like I want to go on it too like I went on birth control before I'd ever been kissed yeah, I was like yeah. I want to be ready you know yeah. I just felt like <laughs> that was in my future but yeah. was so not in my present at all and I was and your parents were okay with that Oh yeah, of course. My mom's like, "Ortho tricycline low. Here we come." (laughs) And uh, (laughs) but yeah, it was just. I mean, I remember. I I remember feeling like utterly desexualized because I was sort of the clown and like I wasn't getting that attention. But there was something like liberating in that for me. I don't. I mean, I was definitely like horny and like obsessed with sex, but like that was just not in my realm. Of experience whatsoever, but it's happening around you. Yeah, yeah. So I got to get every detail and like. It wasn't happening for you. No. But you were obsessed with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh well, I have like there is this like origin story of myself from like oh yeah that was big which was. I had this friend who was like, she was truly a pack sun model. Like she was like a gorgeous, yeah. which is like a, you know, bathing suit company. Oh, yeah. And so she was my friend. And one day after school, it was like, we're going to go over to this guy's house. And I was like, great, I'll be there. You yeah. know, and I went over to her house and I remember because we had uniforms we were going to trade. We were going to change into cool clothes to go to this guy's house. What kind of uniforms if it wasn't Catholic? Just general khaki skirt. Like, okay. no, you might it look like a Catholic girl uniform. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah so we like went to her house none of her clothes fit me because she yeah. was so tall and lanky i remember she, I, she put me in a hard rock cafe shirt sure and these like sweatpants that i rolled like six times yeah. and we went over to this guy's house and there was another guy there maybe right. like oh one for you one for me kind yeah. of a thing yeah. but like i think it clearly it was apparent like that was not my nah. energy and then um but i remember being in their room yeah. listening to neil young's harvest he was yeah. really into music like he he was like in la he's like I was the first guy to know that pavement was cool, you know? Right. Like, and so he was like this indie kind of God. Sure. And I remember being- The kid in, was. Yeah, the kid was. And I remember <laughs> being in the room, yeah. like hanging out on the beds and I was making them laugh and he was laughing and uh, he was like, you should be careful though because uh, guys don't like girls who are funny because it reminds them too much of other guys. Huh. And it was like, he said it to me in this very matter of fact, just kind of like plain way. <laughs> yeah. And I like, it's- I feel like I have four memories in my life and that's one of them that is just so concrete for me and I, and I was like, I will okay, yeah. this is going what, in. But you looked at it as a superpower. I was kind of like <laughs> devastated, but I yeah. already knew that was the truth. And, it is and, the truth? Yeah. And I mean, in a certain regard, I was like already obviously like realizing mm. that, that I wasn't, Right, that something was... Um, you weren't all, uh, you know, you weren't uh, insecure and sexed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just like... Yeah, I, I took that and I was it was it was confusing because it was him acknowledging that I was funny. Yeah, but also acknowledging Calling that I was bro. like a desexualized clown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, a desexualized clown I think is better than a sexualized clown. Right. In well, a way, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, totally. You don't want to be Baby Jane, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when I'm around LA and I'm looking at uh, uh, women of a certain mm-hmm. age, you're like, oh my God, it's the whole baby Jane spectrum. Just painted the, yeah, in the sand. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But some, you know, obviously we do it better than others. It's, it's an art form. I mean, my mother, I don't even know what her hair color is. 
That I is, guess. my mom is like, my mom is really beautiful. She's 78. She yeah. really doesn't seem it. She's incredibly youthful. Yeah. But she hasn't done anything to her face. Oh she my barely God. wears makeup. That's great. No, yeah. And she really is just like so youthful and gorgeous to me. Um, but the one thing, like her hair has is always dyed. Oh, yeah. So that's like the thing that that <laughs> is like I've never seen her with gray hair. I like gray hair. Yeah. I think it's cool, too. Like I've, for myself, I'm like, oh, is yeah, I'll, I'll go gray. You're going to let it happen? Yeah. It hasn't hit me yet. No, it hasn't. No. What's your mom do? So my mom was my mom wanted to be an actor. Something's oh, yeah. so like devastating about saying that like she wanted to be an actress, but yeah. she didn't like fully go for it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But she was did. Um, she worked a lot with this performance with this guy named Guy de Quante, who was a French Dadaist guy. And she was in his plays. Where here? Um, yeah. In L.A. He and then also here? did some stuff in New York. And, with oh, him. really? But yeah. We, uh, what's his name? Guy de Quante. So it's like sure. G U I. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was a yeah like, like far out guy who there was a resurgence of interest of interest in his work like ten or so years ago. So she With actually who? went Few and people? did yeah, yeah about about six people. But you'll be amazed what six people at the Pompidou in Paris can do. Yeah. So it was like so she did was like performing at like the Tate and at MoMA like this kind of right. uh, you know yeah. and at this point she was in her late 50s early 60s and it's great they, 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 she was probably like we got the old gang together completely and like her the the women who were sort of his muses yeah. were like my aunts growing up like the women that really took care of me so uh-huh. it was really fun to watch them like perform these they're, these really beautiful surreal plays where he yeah. was French but he like learned English through watching commercials and daytime soap operas so his plays are all in this language of melodrama uh-huh. but they're completely absurd so it's like a like a prop that's like a you know green cube is a telephone right. and, and okay. the sets are all made by this amazing artist Bob Wilhite um, who's here in LA but so you grew up around all this stuff yeah this was your world that was my world I like it, man. I yeah, like yeah. I like reading about that stuff. I like I like going to see things like that. I don't do it enough. It's not my life. And as I get older, I get cynical about it, mm-hmm. and I and I start to sort of not dismiss it, but like, who cares? You oh, know? sure. <laughs> well, you're you're American. It's an you know it's an anti intellectual uh, society. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I grew up loving it. Yeah. And and as I get older, like even the stuff that resonated with me, I, I appreciate. And I, like I just joined the Whitney again. I'm still active about it, but there is part of me that believes that it should. Be be relevant on on a level that it's not and then i get angry about that it isn't and then i realize that they don't want it to be right because it's a special world and it's insulated and it's weird and they're not trying to solve any big problems no they're they're just they just want their friends to come and someone to write about it and a picture to be in art news yes yes (laughs) oh my no it's hyper rarefied and very right there was a period where i think i'm disillusioned yes yes well, I felt like because I was doing stand up for a while, like when I started, I was like, well, what is this? Is this performance art? And I was, I always bristled at that. I was like, it's not performance you mean, art, oh, stand up. What people were asking you. Or like what people were seeing when I was doing, going, sure. like, oh, it's weird. Or it's like, it could sure. be performance art, which I was like, I knew what they were saying. But again, I just like didn't like it because to me, that. That was associated with this kind of impenetrable echelon of like, oh, it's impossible to understand. And I was like, I'm crossing my eyes. Like, yeah. it's, it's really, I'm like a ham. Like, and, I never understood that. And also, like at the time, when did you start? Um, well, I started when I was 17. Here? Yeah. Well, the weird thing about that is, is that I remember when I started, mm-hmm. and I saw comics who were doing something that didn't uh, like lock into what I thought stand-up was, and, yeah. I, and I thought, and it was it was somebody very, not even, not mainstream, 
But it just struck me that I, I, when I started, I didn't really understand that how big the umbrella of stand-up really was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then when I went, when I was coming up in New York, you had that whole sort of, um, you know, collective unconscious and, and all those spaces down below Houston that were holding on to this legacy of performance art, but it was really a cop-out. It yeah. wasn't... Totally. There, there's there really isn't hasn't been any real performance art since the seventies or eighties. I think maybe the mm-hmm. mid eighties, mm-hmm. right? I mean, really conscious Karen Finley. Yeah. You know, or mm-hmm. you know the yeah, that place in the, the 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 place that was in that woman's loft where they all did that stuff in New York or the Worcester Group or that whatever. Oh yeah, Caroline Schneeman. What? Yeah. yeah, like that. Yeah. But the rest of it is sort of either stand up or not good stand up. Right. Totally. <laughs> well, completely. Yeah. 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 So. When you started, where'd you go? So my first, well, my first performance was at my high school. <laughs> really, as a yeah. stand-up, who yeah. were you? Who were you watching that made you want to do this? I was. Um, it's it's I so truly like the first time I like sat down to write stand-up. I had just watched David Cross's. Um, is it Let America Laugh? Yeah. yeah, like his like touring, like the like I had like the DVD of him touring, and I yeah. I just couldn't believe that you could like live like that. I was like, oh my god, touring the world and like yeah, yeah. interacting with these crazy people and you do shows. <laughs> like it was like so romantic to me. I was like, that's incredible. So, um, but you know, I was very obsessed. Like I loved you know Woody Allen and Steve Martin and yeah, I, I liked all that stuff. And you're a comedy uh, kid. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. then I started um, becoming obsessed with the alternative scene in New York, like Here. the Invite Them Up. Right, um, with like Eugene. Like, exactly, like the Invite Them Up, double, yeah. Bobby Tisdale, like the CD, yeah. I like memorized that and loved really? all of those people. So yeah. they, that was already like done by the time you're getting in. Yeah, pretty much. Like, that's Rafifi like, was, I was scheduled to perform at Rafifi in the East Village the week it closed. Yeah. So I was like late, but I was still there when I would see like, yeah, Eugene Merman and and it's weird because those are like were kids to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm already one generation removed from that, but you're coming in, and that's already like, wow, this all happened here. Yes, and it's completely. done. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel I feel some Shapiro. Where you did you know the Shapiro? Did you know Rick Shapiro? Did you ever see Rick Shapiro? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel I'm feeling some of Shapiro. Oh yeah? yeah. Oh my God! Great. Yeah, in the uh, <laughs> in the stand-up special. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! Oh my God! You watched it? I did. God bless you. <laughs> Why? You, are you I don't want 15 people have you, seen it. Are you not going to release it? <laughs> I would love to release it. I mean, I shot it years ago. No. It's pre-COVID, yeah. Really? But it might come out event- It might come out now. Is that at UCB? Yeah. And you put mirrors up? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, put mirrors up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was trying to, I, so I'm like, I know that space. Mm-hmm. There's only one space that, you know, you, you're it's on tiny. stage with most of the audience. Yeah, exactly. And, it's uh, really and small. structurally, I know it's the old UCB. Yeah. So, but yeah, but you saw Shapiro. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. No, I love that you. I love that that you said Rick Shapiro. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I've been doing this so long. Yeah. You know, and I've known him forever, but I've known everybody forever, and I know, you know, when when things soak into people a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's going to accuse you of ripping off Rick <laughs> Shapiro. Yeah. No, but I'm. <laughs> you, I'm. You just get a taste that. of it. Yeah. You get a taste of the Shapiro. When you were talking about um, also like performance art, because yeah. I was like Brody Stevens, sure. I like love so much. I'm like, that's something that people would be like, well, that's performance art. But he's at the comedy store. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those people for me that when I saw him, I was like, so I felt like liberated because yeah. I thought he was so funny. And yes. like what he was doing was like, like just unmatched. Well, here, well here's the thing about like th- that thing, just from my 
experience with it is like I don't think that people who claim to who say performance art know what performance art is. It's just yes. something they don't quite understand and they think it it's doesn't like belong. It's like a non-category. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't belong here. Like that, you're too weird for here. It's yeah. you know, there was really never anything too weird to be done in stand-up venues ever yeah. ever. But I think the real thing with it it's it's whether or not you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you know sometimes there there are people that are carried by the form mm -hmm. in the community of it who aren't really intentionally doing something but they're they're part of the family yeah do you yeah, know what i mean yeah they can't do it any other way and 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 it's almost like people are protecting them from being laughed at for the wrong reasons oh my god yeah so i've seen that a lot yeah you, you know but like but brody's persistence uh, was you know it's it drove a lot of people people uh, it was it it uplifted people totally yeah I mean I, yeah I think about him all the time you do yeah it's so sad I know but I really like I'm yeah and I what do you think his I mean just not that I knew him well yeah. but I just know him in the way that you know people for sure, a million around, years to yeah. do in comedy and his like sweetness but also his um i love his insistence on like the push believe like <laughs> yeah. like like that insistence to me yeah. was so like generous and real yeah and now we're in this weird weird kind of this language of positivity has been like co-opted sure. and like become this like other kind of vile gross thing that is yeah. like if it's like or how about people you who, can do it like yeah how about people who say storytelling yeah <laughs> it's like it's it's just but Authenticity we, is another one that I really don't know what that word means. Never have, never will. Don't buy it. Doesn't exist. And I think in your in the in the standup special, you 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 you, I think you got the the most honest moment of uh, what authenticity means. Really? Yeah. When you're when you're throwing up, yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I haven't watched it in years. It's like two. <laughs> you're not really selling it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's great. It's great, folks. It'll be out. Well, um, I know, but I know that's year. not really w yeah. what you're out. Uh, Pushing. No, I'm thrilled that you're bringing it up because truly, I did, I did. Uh, but you're talking about it like it's like everything's different now. I'm not, I'm not even that person. Anymore. Oh no, I am. I'm still trapped <laughs> on that stage because the the special hasn't been out. Yeah. I mean, I, but I shot it before COVID. Well, fortunately for you, in a sense, it's you're not. You can be timeless. You're you're kind of timeless. Well, every yeah, I wake up in a cold sweat. I'm like, my special's not out, and I'm like, well. Good news that it's just you crossing your eyes, doll. So you're fine. There's nothing topical in it. Uh -huh. um, but no, I, I, it's you know, Bo Burnham directed it. He's you know, beautiful filmmaker. Yeah, I, it, I think he's doing amazing. I, I think this whole movement to uh, to make everything seem relatively uneventful is really the new thing. <laughs> just a complete. <laughs> just like, hey, let's go in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just go in. Yeah, there's something going on. Get a camera. Shh, on. Don't tell them we're we're taping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'll well, well, folks. It might. I think it'll be out this year. You do like what's the conversation around that? Nothing. Pretty much nothing. No, no I think uh, I, I I think it's going to be out in the fall. Okay. Okay. Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. Even, even if it's just you. <laughs> My like language. I'm, I'm like yeah. can't. I'm like I can't say it. Oh, um, oh, you know. I shot it for FX. I think oh. I can say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sure, you can say yeah. it. So you see what happens. Sue me. Yeah, <laughs> take yeah. me for all. Now anymore. they're not going to put it up yeah. just to spite you. Yeah, exactly. But what was like the weird, uh, like so? That's the final cut that I saw. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're gonna. That's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah, I saw a version of it. No, no, we're gonna go back in there and sweeten it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, Mark, that was the final cut. <laughs>
No, because it cuts away to like. Because it was for commercials, so oh, we okay, had to okay, like okay. it had to be shortened for commercials. So that, that's all I mean. Is like you, like be. oh, so when you're going out to commercial, you do those behind the scenes moments. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. because without commercials. It's just sort of like, what was that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Did they, do they know that? Should we yeah. tell them that that's? Well, that's that's what the experience is going to be now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna confuse. Just the gonna audience. leave it in there. Yeah. It, it, Fuck it. Yeah. You can't handle the abstraction. I thought. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing is that you said a tone where it's sort of like, it's just a thing she's doing. You're like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's behind. It's in front. It's a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who am I? Who are you? Yeah. What is this? So. All right, so you graduate from the girls' school, and yeah. you do comedy your first time in high school. Oh, so I did. Oh, yeah, what did you yeah. do? We straight up oh joke? Oh, God. So, what do you remember? Well, I remember, and I have it on tape. Oh, thank tape. God. Yeah, like it's, on a Betamax? It's like, yeah, I, it's on a DVD now. Well, uh, good for you digitizing your stuff. I have to digitize it to, yeah. to something else now. Um, but it was very, you know, hype. now I realize so much on, like, improvising, but that was, like, hyper-constructed one-liners, yeah. really. But the one-liners didn't really work or didn't quite make sense. Like, they were still kind of veering into this absurd place. This is but, the, in high school? Yeah, when I was 17. But also, like, I came out on stage in a wheelchair, then stood up, and that was, like, my first joke. Oh, you know? that, it was, a like, big very, prop piece. Yeah, big old prop right <laughs> up top. <laughs> Crowd loved it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then I could you get away with that now? Sure, couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did, and then I did the open mic at the Laugh Factory, which I still, I mean, I just weep at the thought of it. I like, my, I can't believe my strength. <sighs> lining yeah. up, I had a fake ID to do it. Yeah. Lining up at five, I think it was five thirty on Tuesday to do wow. the open mic. Yeah. I don't know how we did what we did when we did it. I mean, when I look back at me, I'm like well, that poor kid. It's really, so we have to be kind to what, those versions of We do. Yeah. What did we drag them through? It's like nothing but trauma Unimaginable. for like a decade. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about those open mics. I yeah. mean, it's just. I was driving around New England, you know, to like pubs and, and <laughs> bowling alleys doing one-nighters with, you know, with drunken headliners just oh. going up cold in the middle of environments that weren't even for comedy. Oh, certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. I think, unlike in New York, you know, I yeah. think about like the basement at Maui Taco, you know, where, I, where, I, where I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I got four minutes, baby. And I'd be like shaking from nerves, you know, I'd be like, right, like all day. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> I mean, it's just, no one's there, but three other comics. Yeah. And someone who didn't know there was a show. Yes, completely. And of course now I romanticize <laughs> that time so intensely. And do I'm you? like, yeah, you know, though, I know, but I do. I'm like, oh, I fought tooth and nail. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. doesn't exist sure. anymore. Sure, you know, I, yeah. I do have like a. a well, I think that's true that too. Time. I think that's true too. But Absolutely. I just, in, in terms of like, you know, whatever my psychopathology is, whatever I was doing there, I, I have to look at it like that. Like I got through it and it worked out okay. Yeah. But why? I know. And I, and there was no other thing for me. Like I was. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing about it. It's like, well, I'm glad it happened, and maybe I've resolved some of the problems that I may have had emotionally and mentally, but not many. No, no. We can't We can't hope to resolve. No? Yeah. We can no. just change our behavior? Yeah, just, you know, turn it over. And, sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I get it. Like, well, the cognitive thing. It's like, I'm going to... No, I'm not. Not yeah. going to. Just that's recognize you, and then move, move through it. That's all you can do. Yeah. You can't push it down. Just let yourself feel it. And you know what happens, yeah. though, that I can tell you for sure as an old guy, hmm. old-ish? Is that eventually that becomes stronger? Like you do things that you wouldn't have done yeah. that are better for you, and the conversation's a lot. It's a lot shorter. Like even exercising, nice. it's like I don't want it, and then all of a sudden, I'm like I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to hear. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how that happened. All right, so you do it at the Lab Factory. Was it terrible? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, because you're the, dealing with that. Then you're like right in the mainstream pocket of yeah. people. But sometimes at those open mics on Sunset, whether it's the store or the Laugh Factory, you've got guys in chef hats and people wearing mittens and you know people with big ideas. I remember one time looking at the potluck you know crew out in, on the patio of the mm, comedy mm-hmm. store, and there was just a guy in a garbage bag. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. big night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that time for me, I'm like, I remember it very distinctly. And I, yeah, I kind of, I got some positive reactions. Yeah. Like, thank God. I don't think I would have kept going or like I, like I was getting enough or something or people kind of going like, that's crazy or right. something. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, yeah. I'll just be the crazy yeah. one sure. or something. Yeah. So it's landing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I went to New York and I, um, we're for college. Yeah, I went to Bard for a year upstate. Wow, and then I went. That's fancy, and then I went smarty to NYU. pants. Oh yeah, your fancy smarty pants. So what did you do at Bard? Why did you run away from Bard? So I went for a year, but then I transferred to NYU after a year because I wanted to be in the city, and I was doing like the open mics in the middle of the you know woods yeah. every night, and I was or every Tuesday rather, and I was <laughs> like, I gotta minute. get out of here. But in the middle of the woods? Yeah, I mean Bard is in the middle of the. I woods. know, but like, what were the open well, mics? So it was like the it was at the cafe. It was like the cafeteria. Oh, oh at the school. Yeah. At the, at the school, yeah. So yeah. I was doing that. Um, I was doing that, and then I was started going to the city a lot and like going to see shows. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go to New York. So I. What was the community at Bard though? Like, was it arty? I mean, did you feel like you had a place there, or was it just broy and they didn't know what you were doing? No, it was arty. I was like, no one will kiss me. This sucks. Like, I was like feeling very like. Oh yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah, just like yeah. restless and. Um, but dorky? then by the were time you feeling I, dorky? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe but I, I I was like it's actually when I think about I, mean, I was 18 I'm like yeah. remembering my dorm wall and it was like a photo of Woody Allen and yeah. like Steve Martin's like the book jacket to cruel shoes like sure. taped up on the thing oh, you yeah. know I was like <laughs> <laughs> like white knuckle grip to like something so but then but then I did go but then I did transfer to NYU and then I was like doing stand up a lot and then I I mean I went to grad school at NYU because I was like I'll just be like a teacher if I have to but then I Oh, that was I the backup. Yeah, yeah. I thought still I still could. To, I mean, hey. Uh, yeah, well, if you did the grad school, if it, I have the masters, you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always there for you. I I used to keep that as a as an alternate thing, but I never went to grad school. So yeah. as you get older, you're sort of like now you're 45 and nothing's going on. It's like I think it's time to go back. All right, I would just vaguely go like I could teach. Oh and, yeah, but but I know what what would I teach if it, I have to teach a class about me? That's all I could teach. Yeah, you just would like, have to teach. Like, these are my favorite things. Yeah. Let's all watch them. They they could create something for you. Like yeah. you would just be like the word, you know, like word, the yeah. word or something. Yeah. You yeah. could yeah. like. Oh, create a, a, like yeah, a thing. Yeah, like, like something like. Which where, I. Where you read poems and watched two TV shows, a movie and some uh, and some cartoons or something. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. and more abstract, the better. Yeah. I think. And I still kind of feel like teaching, like if I hadn't, like I always wanted to be an actor and a comedian, but if I hadn't done that, I think teaching is like a what you have a captive audience yeah. it's still performance right it is like the closest thing sure kind of but but unfortunately the audience you know doesn't really see it see it in the same way that they paid to be there totally their expectations oh. are minimal yeah unless they're really engaged with what you're doing but you can really get a cult going yeah of two or three people which really would i think few. that almost would have fed me enough what the, the two do-gooders who just wanted you to yeah, like just having them? the teachers like god you're brilliant yeah. you know like, like, <laughs> yeah, come yeah. over for spaghetti sundays at my yeah, house sure. you know being like that teacher well yeah i mean you could live in that that could have been my future 
Well, it might be still. I know, we'll see. Honey, the special's not out yet. But yeah. Bart, so you go, but you know, you grew up in this like very specialized kind of upbringing and your understanding of the art world was, was you know, like parents. Mm-hmm. So like it must have been a relief to get to New York City. I mean, I don't know how much you engage that part of you, how sort of lowbrow you got with the stand-up. Like, did you just sort of like erase your knowledge of working for uh, uh, Chris <laughs> Burden? Like, that was another me. Yeah, Now yeah. I'm just a nightclub comic. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I was still, you know, absolutely around like the the, the arty kids. You know, yeah. I was like the indie kid yeah. for sure. So yeah. that was like I couldn't erase that absolutely. But I also had a desire to be, you know, dirty or just like not even, but just I wanted to to. I felt an urgency around being able to make people laugh who, yeah. of course, oh, okay. didn't give a shit about strangers. About yeah, yeah, strangers. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good that you keep the arty friends because I mean, it's so much a part of your ongoing kind of um, conversation. Yeah. And that, I mean, the language surrounding art and all yes. of that is like, I I was very in that and I was in this hyper academic environment sure. of like the seminar and discussing these kinds of like impenetrable texts and what, like which ones? Well, just, you know, you're reading like Lacan you? and Derrida uh, and you're like, you Derrida. know, and that would get me like, did you read Galizia and guitar? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, as much as I can to lose like as Deleuze, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that stuff? Schizophrenic capitalism and all yeah, that. Yeah, so I have that book. Yeah, yeah. You, we all do. I mean, it's just no, we it's don't. impossible. <laughs> we, we all do. We don't. Oh my God. We, we yeah. don't. We don't. We we don't, we don't. And I would get like to be clear, I yeah. would get like high on that. Like sure. I would be like and there and I did I really did love school. Like I really did like but, that. But like I used like, to like Foucault and I would get all like jazzed up and like right. walking in circles in my apartment being like <laughs> yeah. you know, and that would that got me excited, genuinely. But you but like in retrospect, like cause I, I, I get it, because you're a comic and you know like I used to do a a, a joke about about reading that stuff. Yeah. And the joke was really just that, like, you know, it, the, the the great thing about reading this stuff is when you're reading it, it feels like you're thinking it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't remember anything. Oh, it, and, it and goes. I, but I couldn't contextualize it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't have uh, an intellectual conversation uh, and put any of that shit into context or what those guys were thinking. Well, you can't read it alone. That's impossible. No, I know that. But yeah. in, in retrospect, yeah. did you write papers on this yeah. shit? Yeah. Oh, I find the papers and I go... Oh, that's interesting. I used to be smart. Like I found this like paper that I wrote on like Foucault. Yeah. And I was like, it actually was like devastating. It's like this old self that I like because my my attention span has been so you know destroyed by the phone yeah. and everything that I'm like, oh wow, I used to have the rigor. Like I do think it's important to sit down and read like like a like a, a challenging. Text but do you really think that, do that? Right. But you really think that your attention span has been ruined, or you just absolutely. haven't absolutely ruined might be too strong a word, but I do think, and it's like a constant thing in my life of trying to, you know, go back to that self because it, it is. Um, well, it you're is. also a student, so you you know you had to do it because you were in school. Yeah. So like, you know, to really, it, it, but, but I always, uh, like, I was not good at math and there's some part of me. Well, math. That, I mean, no, I but, there, in... but there's some part of me that thinks like, I'm older now, maybe I should take up algebra again. Yeah. And it, it, like, I'm going to get it now. I'm not going to get it. No. And I've tried to read some of those books again. Yeah. The the deluge and yeah. the schizophrenia capitalism. Oh, yeah. Whatever the, I mean, sitting down with Deleuze the, on, in an afternoon, you just, fuck? I mean, no. You and mean, I underlined a lot, but yeah. I didn't get nothing. I don't know what they did. I don't know who they were. I don't know what time. I, you, you can't do anything with that stuff unless you know the context of the language of philosophy that it's yeah, referencing. You need help, and it does assume a certain amount of Ugh. like critical theory that you already have Ugh. that even that I, that I sort of once had. And there are these like remnants of it that I that I can kind of 
you, you know, do it feel. in your act, and I yeah. and some of it is earnest. It's just you present it as jokes because it's your way of uh, controlling it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm seduced by that language. I always have been, yeah. and I think so. Just naturally, like performing kind of expertise and knowledge. Yeah. Like, I saw people doing that, and I was like, "Ooh, that's like fun. That's, like, that's sexy. Like, yeah, being smart." But then, of course, and now we're in a world where it's just like everyone knows four words, sure. and they base their personality around that. Sure. And no one is there to Authentic. correct or actually pro- probe it and be like, "Well, what do you mean?" No yeah. one says that, so no. it's just Authentic like storytelling. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just this rhetoric around yes. you know mobilizing change or. <laughs> You know, proactive. You, yeah, like, pro, like you know, doing the work, excavating oneself, oh, um, yeah. trying to um, oh, yeah. uh, unearth yeah. or yeah. reveal yeah. to um, yeah, yeah, sure. like all of that. Yes, which and and that is the dominant language. <laughs> it's helping. Like yeah. if you just, I think if you just talked in that tone, oh, yeah. and, and just repeated. Like uh, like about twelve or fifteen words yeah. in a cycle, you you you'd get a Peabody like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good luck with the Peabody. <laughs> they didn't give. I'm me gonna one. get a Peabody as a joke. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be nice. So, so when you're doing the stand up, yeah, like because I watch, you know, and I read some stuff, not by you, but about you. It's like it's stand up. You know, you do stand up. Yeah. You're a stand up comedian. Thank you. The uh, but like, what did you study in school? Oh, man. I mean, so I went to Gallatin at NYU, which is like the individualized study program. So I was... So it's like an inner read? It's like read at NYU? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it could be read adjacent. Yeah, it's like very, um, you know, where I took classes on, you know, perversion in Japanese literature, but also like, um, you know... Does that include anime or no? Yeah, that would be touched upon. (laughs) Sure, it would have to be. You can't erase that from the canon. And then, but I would be like, you know, the history of the image and, you know, which I really like. Like there was this, you know, reading about like early essays on photography and people are kind of reckoning with like the devil. I got very into like Benjamin and this idea of mass production. Yeah, sure. I tried to I tried to penetrate Benjamin. Yeah, uh, now. Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and we're living it. Yeah, we yeah. are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like which part? <laughs> well, just like the. I mean, also, you know, like the um. The reproduction of the image. People hunting the animal, like yeah. for the carcass and not, and I'm uh, sorry, for the skin and not the carcass. People right, like right, they right, talk right, about yeah, it's like yeah, shedding sure. the animal sure. with the skin and like that's kind of where we are now. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, of course, like this like image. I, I'm um, so glad we we have a handle on where we are now. That you, you know, I'm to. here to firmly anchor us in the now, and there is no authenticity, and um, it's just it's pure just carcass. Yeah, <laughs> it's all carcass. Yeah, or it's not carcass. It's the skin. Yeah, the carcass is the thing that's there. Oh, that's the, we rip the, the skin the off and we worship the skin. Yeah, just the rotting yeah. skin now. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're doing that. So did you like? <laughs> I there are things that have made impacts on me. Like there was a, a, a book about the. Uh, I, I I've not been able to source which book it was, but it was a book of photographs, and the argument it was making was a feminist um, uh, author who was like capturing the history of images um, uh, that suggest. Uh, the objectification of women, but it, through um, the through the atomic lens, mm-hmm. like you know the Bikini Islands, the Bikini, it's hot, mm. you know, and but it, well, that's where they tested nuclear wars, and that's what the bathing suit is like. It was like the you know sort of pictures of the the Mother Earth and and minimizing that. It was all about the objectification uh, through the lens yeah. of, of advertising. Yeah, and I I don't know. All I know is I was asked to leave. Uh, a, re- a reading of it. Oh my god! Because it was at a woman's space, and you you respectfully bowed and left. I think I I think I might have stubbornly sat for a minute. Yeah, and and then you know realized they like you out. they did. They're like you know you're welcome to stay, but 
But we don't love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is a woman's space. And this was like, this is like the 80s probably. Yeah. Like yeah. This is two weeks ago in yeah. Atwater Village. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm mad. Yeah. 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 And you have but, a right to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. a white man who just <laughs> wants to sit and listen to the lady talk. Talk about the objectification. Women. Objectification yeah. Of I'm ladies. part of the problem and I'd like to help myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that stuff that blows your mind at that age is important. Yeah, I, I was I was into all of that, and um, but what were you studying? What was the deal? Like, the, what did you put together oh, for yourself? Well, I got really into like the ritual process and liminality, which is like Victor Turner, uh, and you I know talks know about stuff. it's just about um, like so the liminal and like lim- liminality and the liminal. It's like oh, it's such like an overused term yeah. now. It's like, it's, like I don't even know what it means. So liminal refers to like a space between spaces. It's yeah. like an un. Okay. Char- it's like a that um, yeah, it's between. So yeah. it's like isn't here or there. It's kind right. of defies category. Okay. Which is something that. I always like liked that. Like, oh yeah, what about things that are between spaces? Yeah. yeah. And also, I think just because I felt like that's where I was living creatively, I was like, I de- I was like, I'm a stand-up comedian, but I was performing in like kind of art spaces or in st- conventional stand-up spaces. Yeah, yeah. What I was doing was considered more art. I was like, kind huh. of inhabiting these both places. And yeah. now I realize like that illegibility is actually really exciting to me. Like that's kind of the stuff I gravitate toward anyway. Is sure. like, work that is kind of illegible or yeah. like defying these yeah. categories. So. I was into that, and then, um, you know, uh, Richard Schechner was this NYU guy, yeah, writing all about um, ritual and kind of the transformative nature of, of ritual when language actually does things, like the, the performativity of language, meaning like when you're in a courthouse, you uh-huh. know, and someone says something, like it carries extra weight than on the, on they say it on the street. It's sure. like the way language actually, oh, yeah. um, like the can transform and can actually, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And people talk about the law, yeah. like the performance of the law, the way the law performs. Again, uh-huh. so it's like, this is all um, going in. Yeah. So, yeah. so I got all hopped up on that stuff and um, was excited. And then, you know, then of course there also was like this kind of like feminist readings of, of, um, you know, women yeah. and, yeah. and like comedy uh-huh. um, and how like stand up or like comedy kind of was this like, like women classically were either like hypersexualized or hyper desexualized. Kind of right. Like two right. Categories. Right. But really, I mean, I just wanted to do stand up. And so I kind of like, I was considering going, for like okay i could go deeper into this world which is really like gratifying to me and you meet like really smart people and but you would end up teaching yeah and like there was um yeah like the head of the department was this writer jose muñoz who's super brilliant who like passed away shortly after i graduated but and i was like so into his work (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but like very into his work and it was like oh yeah that's like a world that like really feeds me in a certain way, but I also was like, oh, but this is not what what my what my what my you'd life ha- to look right, at. Right, you'd have to it'd have to be your life. I would write a book about you know his work, the fragment. I mean, yeah. I was like, you the know, fragment. Yeah. yeah, like I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the next thirty years navigating the limits of the fragment, and uh, yeah, that'll do it. And which you know, God bless, could have had could have had fun. Yeah, but do you? What what part of your brain do you think that speaks to? Do do you think that that is like an uh, obsessive thing? But the, I am like, diagnosed OCD. Are you? Who isn't? I don't know. I don't know if I am. I'm but not I compulsive, mean, just obsessive. But yeah, what do you mean? But well, I mean, because the dichotomy of, of, of like, you, you, know, I, I, you know, I find that stuff exciting and you were in it, it seems deeper than me. But there's a part of the brain that it seems like you got the best of it to do what you want to do. Whereas like if you would have stayed in it, you would have sacrificed some self, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like it's an it's an it's a humorless endeavor in certain ways. Sure. And like, there's also nothing more embarrassing than when 
when when something is like implicitly intellectual yeah. and it tries to be funny as yeah. a way to like appeal to the base <laughs> senses or something it's like it's the it's the worst let's get the, the regular worst. people interested yeah, it, oh, so like that wasn't going to work but um and it's also like it's like the TED talk thing of like no, that's not like it's it's the person yeah, on the stage yeah, being yeah. like, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> like, and it's like, you absolutely don't. <laughs> and get off the stage. Like, it's very, it, it's it's that. Take your dumb headset off yeah. and walk away. Yeah. Or just be, do that. Just do the kind of unfragmented it, intellectual thing. It's when it when they try to Oh, yeah. Be funny yeah. To, it sounds complicated, but let me walk you through it. Yeah. Yeah, no. it just be complicated. I Okay. So, Maybe. so you decide mm. to walk away from that to be funny. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also like I was kind of inherently unfocused then, or like I, I, yeah, I, I was doing stand up like every night, so yeah. I was like in school, but I was doing stand up, and so. So it's weird because that's where you you get that that tension that I think is you know a lot of your voice. Yeah. Is oh, that, completely. That, that there's some part of you that uh, resents the fact that you didn't have the wherewithal to stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's smart enough. No, but I had. Um, I don't know if that's true. Well, are uh, any of them? It's yeah. just it, it just becomes a uh, 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 you you know once you you get your context and you you find the limitations of it, you can talk the bullshit all day long. Oh, it's it's an aesthetic. It's that not really like it's expansive. Work. Again, you have the certain words, yeah. you choose them, and then you, then you're you're safe. You have it. But yeah. I will say, I mean, I <laughs> make this clear. I tried to go to acting school, Mark. I was rejected. And I was NYU? rejected from Tish. What, so that's where it started? So I wanted to go out of high school to acting school. Okay. no one would have me. Wow. My Laramie Project monologue didn't, they didn't take a shine to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did that. I, I auditioned at Yale and it was oh terrible. My God. But I, truly, I'm like, thank, thank God. God. Yeah. I really think that if I had gone to acting school. What do you think would have happened? Would have. Oof. I, I don't know. It would not have been good. I really don't think so. So that I, was the first thing. And then you, you were like, well, fuck you. I'm going to yeah. work on the fragment. Yeah, exactly. I don't need your training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I still like sometimes I'm like, God, I would have loved to have like received some kind of acting training or something. You still but haven't? No, it's impossible because you go to the classes and it's hell. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. I thought about doing it as a grown up, and I'm like, is that really going to yeah. get me anything? You learned, you learned, you know, yeah, really yeah. just get learned in by it. doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, it's better. You're supposed to do in scene part. Do you watch I Barry? I have never seen it. You didn't watch Barry? No. That woman in, in that show is pretty great. She plays like an, an actress, actress. Oof, yeah. Just, and and I've never seen it done so painfully well oh my god yeah i mean i love you know it's taken me a long time to say this but i love actors and i think um but it, and i have um some like, of them are real fucking weirdos oh yeah completely yeah. And, you know it's so much yeah. touching and all of this and, well just some of them are like like they've not unlike artists you, you know they it's about the life that they live with the freedom that they're afforded because of the choices they made i mean when you look at musicians or artists it's like you just want to sit around all day and fucking, you know, like smoke weed and talk to your friend or play guitar or look at your dog. Yeah. And and you can. There you go. I know. It's outrageous. There's the artist's life. Yeah. So is that what you really want? The acting? I yeah. acted with you. You yeah. and I did yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. We've been in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah, me and you. I played your editor. Yeah. Um, I think it was, a, weren't you a publicist? I was a, oh, that's what it was. I was your publicist. Yes, yeah. you were, yes. On Swanberg's Easy. A publicist but, for the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the book. Yes. Um, yes, I, I do like acting. I want to act, sure. But I mean, like I, 
I kind of abandoned that. Like when I was getting to stand up, I was like, no, 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 that's you know what it is. Um, so you just did stand up for a decade or two. How long has it been? Yeah, I just had my. If you're counting the first 20? time, so I'm, I'm 34, so my it was like my 17 year anniversary. It's a long time. The first time I did it. Really? Yeah. So what is this? How did you meet this Oof. other guy? John. Yeah. So John. Because I don't really, know about the whole YouTube who life. Is, well, me neither. I mean, we've put a couple of sketches on there. What do you mean? I thought that mean. was a big blow up. YouTube? No. No. Okay. I mean, I guess I associate YouTube blow up with like, no, I don't, I wouldn't say it was YouTube because I <laughs> like- PewDiePie? Yeah. You know, whoever. <laughs> it, 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 we like, um, John Early, who was trained formally at acting school, we did not meet in school. Um, but this is who, this is your partner in the special we're talking about. That's going to be on something. Yeah. So we shot a st- one hour st- a sketch special for Peacock. Peacock. Peacock, NBC's streaming service. Now, was it always supposed to be a one-off? No. So it was, we we, we were about to shoot a sketch comedy pilot right yeah. when COVID took over okay, and okay. it died. Like, just like kind of got swept off. Did the, they tell you that it happened, that it died? A lot of times you don't even know. Yeah, yeah like, they were like, oh, that's not going to happen. We're like in pre-production. Oh, you didn't hear? It was like, oh, yeah. no, sweetie, that's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which like, worst, we actually, we Fucking sh- worst business. We shot a pilot years ago for Hulu. There was a narrative you and pilot. John? Yeah, John and I that, um that also like died and it, and it was kind of like getting the text like yeah. it's not moving forward right and john was like holding the boxes that he had been told to like bring to la because he should move you know yeah yeah and um anyway so we haven't had anything that actually has had been able to be seen in you know some years so yeah this is a, a sketch show it's a sketch show sorry it's not a show it's a it's a special yeah i see like okay so like yeah. i watch this like honestly if I if I hadn't watched your stand up uh, after it, I don't know what I how I would have been able to put it into some sort of perspective yeah, for great. myself. Hey, I, I want you to like my stand up more. I do. Actually. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. Yes. <laughs> but uh, because I don't always understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like I because I'm not I'm not great at uh, understanding the kind of like. Um, uh, whether it's anti-comedy or mm-hmm. uh, or uh, or like like I I like I can appreciate things, but yeah, like yeah. Uh, a lot of times I'm like, what am I watching and what is happening? Yeah. Am I missing something? On I a hope couple it's of not anti-comedy. Yeah, I mean, John and I, we met in New York, and we just like became like instant sort of best yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. There was like an uncanny kind of shared language. Yeah, and like similar references. Yeah, and um. Yeah, we just became very close and yeah, we made videos like I feel like we're we're kind of still like clinging on to this era of comedy that we came up which was like the sketch, the short, the like 6-minute video, the 12-minute yeah, sure. video. And also but weird shit too. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, Cuz like a lot of times like if I think like Tim and Eric, I understand Tim and Eric. Yeah. And I understand Tim Robinson. Mm-hmm. And he makes me laugh. Yeah. I get Eric Andre. I get yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But sometimes like I can't help but think like, are they making fun of me? Yeah. Am I a fucking idiot? Oh no. So- yeah. <laughs> no. Um yeah, I mean this these are like, you know, some sketches or we're playing different characters. There's sort of a but it's framed around this idea line, that you yeah. were once a comedy team. There's a through that, line that we're like the most famous comedians who ever lived and we ha- suffered a very public breaking up. Yeah. And now we're coming back together for this televised event hosted by Meredith Vieira. Yeah, who you, you dragged into this. Yeah, God yeah. bless her for saying yes, still a shock. <laughs> Convinced you were gonna have to just hire someone to play an anchor. And uh, did she have fun? Yes, she was so like Isn't she weirdly professional? And you just look at her, you're like, oh, there's a, you know, like she's like lives on television. And she's so, but she's so warm. Like yeah. she doesn't have it's, like the kind of like no. grading personality. She's exactly like, who she's, she is. 
and she like it, you when you meet her in person you're like i don't even know if i'm supposed to be meeting this real person yeah you, i was blown away yeah. by her and she, yeah and she just elevates the whole thing because it makes it seem like suddenly real legit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. completely so the concept was you just that was the framework because you were once a comedy team and you're gonna you guys are reuniting on Meredith Vieira's mm-hmm. show, yeah. And then you kind of fold in these other pieces, and then we just have random sketches just as an excuse to do like whatever characters we want. Yeah, yeah. And tell me about and this is like going to sound like morning radio douchebag. Yeah. Tell me about the um, you know the, the evolution of the idea of paying for things with caramel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a th- there's another joke in it, folks, where John and I, uh, it's imagining a world where hot caramel yeah. is money. So that's truly just a joke that John and I for years have done because restaurants are like, you know, we spend a lot, we love restaurants and we're very yeah. obsessed with like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of the social performance of like paying and who pays sure. and like yeah, all yeah, of yeah, that yeah, that yeah. goes into that. Yeah. So we used to ha- have a joke of like, we would one time we were at a restaurant and like I think John asked the waiter, like, "Do you guys take hot caramel?" Yeah, and like the guy was like, "You know," and we were like, "That made us laugh so hard." We were imagining, like, what if we just to pay the check, we just poured caramel onto the bill? And yeah, you know, yeah, very stupid and sure. should have just died there. But um, so <laughs> we now it's a running joke. So we were like, we just kind of insisted. We're like, we're gonna have. So there were a few oh. different sketches in the special where characters are paying for bills with hot caramel. Well, I like the whole, like, the, uh, the, uh, I, I like the, the, the idea that you have to bring your little, your little hot plate. Your little hot plate with you, yeah. <laughs> that, that was funny. Yeah. Because you do, like, there's all these different ways to pay now, you know? Yeah, and then, of course, now, in retrospect, you know, we're like, oh, could that be read as some kind of, like, scathing criticism of crypto or something, you know? But we're like, no, it was truly just caramel. But, of course, like, money is inherently abstract or... You know something. So. so you do this with everything. You you think along those lines where you deconstruct it and wonder. abstract it to the point of impenetrability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope not. Yeah. You know, like when you write things, do you like you know think about how it's going to re- re- received or how it's going to be broken down? Or do you break it down? Sure. I mean, I'm I'm r- working on a new show right now that's is like it? not. It's a stage show. It's a live show. So I guess I'm I'm pre- I'm preventing myself from saying one woman show, but it's not my stand up, but it is me on stage alone. But it's doing like, what? It's um oh god yeah. How is it different? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna you gonna uh, talk about yourself? Yeah, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's um it's something that I'm taking to New York in the fall. That you're writing um, it now. Yeah, I'm, you... I've been working it out every like a lot at the Elysian yeah, down yeah. here on Riverside. And um, what is that? Do you just rent the space? No, it's, it's like a show. It's a oh, show. Okay. So I'm do- I've been doing like a million shows there. Okay. Trying to figure it out, and it has like changed a lot. It's been very useful. I mean, like of doing course. what in fifteen twenty minute chunks or what? Hour. Are you? Oh, so you're just yeah. really working out? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's much more constructed than it, it really like isn't my stand up. It's um, it's more like actorly. It's kind of about me or this version of myself putting on this show, but the show's not really working. It's kind of I'm realizing it's sort of like about failure. <laughs> yeah. Help me. Yeah. It yeah. sounds so pretentious. It's kind of about the aesthetics of failure. And, the aesthetics um, of failure? Yeah. I mean, but it's also not that. I'm just you, using uh, language to make it sound like something. Are you putting something together to protect yourself from the possibility of your own failure? Of actually being seen? Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to evade actually again? being revealed again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, is that the whole, uh, that's the whole thing? I think that there is a thing in this show about um, where I'm talking about how I'm going to reveal something and talking yeah. about something and kind of like setting the stages. This is something sure. new and more vulnerable. 
And then, of course, I have no trauma to mine, and so um, you know, I'm left with that. I'm left with my degrees. <laughs> but uh, do you not have any trauma to mine? They're all lowercase t, hmm. which are still t's. <laughs> what if you put them all together? But, uh, it's hey, a big t. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The string of little t's. Mm-hmm. The yeah. little ones compile. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they, they yeah. there's still weight there. So do you, oh, so do you? Because you mentioned that in the stand up too that that you don't feel entitled to talk about your trauma in a way that defines you for reasons that you don't really like that shit anyways but also your trauma is not big enough yeah i mean i think like i typically don't talk about myself in my stand-up like i never like autobiography like I'm in there. It's me talking. Like I've always, I always sure. struggle with that. It's like, well, yeah. it's me, and I'm there, so yeah. it's a, it's going to be inherently about me. Right. But I didn't speak explicitly about my life or the details of my life, and part of that but also. There's a lot of comics that do that. I mean, of I, course, of course. Like most of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, general. Uh, maybe this generation, not so much. Yeah. It seems to be turning now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always sort of autobiographical, but yeah. now it seems like it's such a righteous thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's like, is it? Yeah, you, know, you feel a, like there's a turn back to autobiographies? No, I, I don't think that yeah. it was ever that. Like, if if there's a turn back to anything, it's some. It, it, it was. It's it's a turn back to what was bad about the one person show movement. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where we are now. No, I I think there's a whole side where there's a very defined kind of, uh, uh, you know, almost. Um, sort of groupthink, fascistic, uh, tribalized comedy that yeah. that is you know, f- found its footing mm-hmm. in a bad way yeah. in, uh, in terms of what it represents culturally. And then on the other side of that, there's just a lot of people sort of like, there's no unified voice, there's no unified front against you know, what is you know, becoming the, the bullying of, of anything different. No, there's definitely, yeah, now the sort of goal seems to be like over identification or, you know, to mm. kind of like make yourself politically legible instantly so people can recognize like I'm like you or I'm not like you and what yeah, does that right. put me? And everyone's kind of of course divided into their little groups so they can be more easily marketed to on Instagram. So it's like right. there is this like death of the monoculture in this way. Which I think also is sort of like John and I, like I, there is something like I love working alone, but I love also having like a duo, like something about that thing for us is sort of romantic and harkens to this like other time yeah and this sort of fantasy of like like universe like this this myth of like the universal culture or something that would be like universally adored or loved yeah like that's a fantasy that we kind of play with at the beginning of the special it used to be that way yeah like there's something like and and now you know that's uh, un- unimaginable um, it's weird and it's happened very quickly really Oh yeah, and everything is is it, I don't I don't want to use the word fragmented because you already used it. I might not be <laughs> using it. it. I might not <laughs> be using it correctly, but it does seem that everybody finds their own pocket, and that the idea of community or collective is is limited, mm-hmm. right? Oh now, yeah, well it's like hyper individual. Yeah, and it's it's, it's it, odd because like what you do like as a stand up is stand up. It's like you know it's like Sarah Silverman. Sarah doesn't volunteer much about her life as a stand-up mm-hmm. it's jokes totally and and it's uh and she's doing a thing she has a character up there mm-hmm. i mean you were asking me earlier like things that i loved it's like well jesus's magic like changed my life yeah. fundamentally yeah yeah, yeah. um because yes. you can find a pocket like that yeah. where you, you you don't have to hurt yourself to do comedy in right. a way yeah right yeah it's really 
Because even when I think about, it makes me feel like instantly sort of like senile or something. I'm like, when I was starting, like, it's amazing just even in the last 10 years, of course, or I think about, as we were talking about earlier, like doing these horrifying open mics in the basement at Maui Taco. It's like, that is already like an antiquated history. Like that is no longer how people There's are, no, there, are well, that, well, that's what that's what I'm kind of talking about is that the entire sort of uh, infrastructure of alternative comedy collapsed. Yeah. And nothing came out of it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, you know, like Kumail's wearing superhero outfits and, you know, and Jonah is, you know, doing MST 3000, you know, like, but like there's on the other side, there's a very sort of unified, weird cultural phenomenon around bully comedy and mm-hmm. anti-woke bullshit. Yeah. But over here in this world, it's just a bunch of like strangely self-involved people wandering around uh, and showing up on stages. And then Bo Burnham says, let's go in here with the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I've been thinking about about it a lot lately though but like you but what's interesting about you though in 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 the idea that you're not showing yourself but in the same way that shapiro like whatever the fuck shapiro was he was honest yeah and i don't think you're being dishonest and whatever you get and and i think that you, you know despite your unwillingness to uh to 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 address authenticity or vulnerability that the way your brain works and what you are in the moment of improvising in those moments that you actually have in real time, which you're kind of addicted to, you know, mean something and and they are revealing. It's just, it's a type of comedy, but I don't think it's uh, because Rick, you know, Rick was out of his fucking mind, Uh, but on purpose. Yeah. Because, like, you know, when he turned it off, he's like, <laughs> you know, he's just this you know, mumbling little Jewish guy. Yeah. But when he was broken open, you know, where all the possibilities could happen and all the voices could come. I mean, that's real shit. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you're being realer than you think. Thank you. I'm 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 truly moved by the Rick Shapiro um, comparison or that 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 came up for you. I love yeah. that. I mean, yes, I would agree also that, like, I see I think performance or doing like there is an inherent vulnerability or attempt like of course it's so naked it's like yeah. i'm like please like uh, you know it's it's so naked so of course i'm like utterly exposed in a way or yeah and i want to feel are. yeah like i want to i would you know the performers i love like there's like a generosity or something like i always want people to be let in i don't want to shut anyone out like, yeah and you i think you leave room like i you know, I write everything that I do on stage. It all starts up there in conversation yeah. and improvising. But there's something about that that, like, like you're not like whatever you repeat. You know, there's no order to it necessarily, and you know, they're just old things. You know, they're things that come up to spark other things. But, but I, I think that that doing it that way, it's 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 alive for us, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really do it that way because it's sort of like here's the act. Yeah, but I, I I feel that that when you live in the present on stage and not just in a manipulative way, it it, it is something uh, uh, unique. Does that make I sense? I hope so. Yes. I mean, I think that this, how much of what you did with John is improvised? Any uh, like a lot, like in the special? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, right? we always we have like a, you know a plan or something, but a lot of it does end up what ends up staying or being our favorite things are often. Improvised. I like the uh, the sitcom stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah. I like the whole look of it and it's then like, the, the yeah, weirdness of it. It's ridiculous. The, yeah, but but I love what you're saying about like it being. I think like this new show I'm working on is sort of like I'm. I feel myself insisting on like the importance of like live performance or like being in the room. Like I'm still like that. Really is like sorry to use this word, but sacred to me. Yeah, in this way where 
there can be an anxiety that comes in, of course, of like, you know, should I be like making these videos or trying to reach more people or doing this? Like, but I, <laughs> yeah. that anxiety for me never, thank God, fully takes hold. Like yeah. I didn't, um, because I know I, I have to believe that it really is valuable to like make a sh- uh, make a show that's for an hour or entertain people yeah, for an hour I in the room. So. Like I, I think that is like Important. the thing. Yeah, yeah. it's theater. And, yeah. yeah, it's performative. Yeah, I mean, I just had a conversation this morning where I, I, I'm 58 and I'm like, should I, do I need to be on TikTok? Oh my god! Yeah, I've said that twice in three days. What do they say to you? Yeah, they're like, I don't know. It's for like 20 year olds, but like for, for promotion. Like they would like me. I'm a weird old man. And they're, ch- you know, I mean, TikTok. Yeah, like I, I have people who I hear about TikTok through, or something. But then there are these things that make me optimistic. Like apparently, right now, like Portlandia is huge on TikTok. These like 12 year olds and 13 year olds are discovering it because you can chop up the sketches oh, right. yeah, into yeah, TikTok. Yeah. So right. it's like, I do feel like things are persistent. Things will persist. Yeah. They're, like are like oh sure I see yeah, funny, yeah. there's but, a but life to it yeah but. Oh my God! Yeah, you can't I'm, I'm, bother I'm, yourself. It's I'm exhausted fine. already. You don't need to. I'm, I'm gonna tell gonna... you, release. Yeah, re- release yourself. I do my Instagram lives. Sometimes I'll do hour and a half long Instagram lives, wow, and see, people will watch them, like full generous. movies. Yeah, I don't care. Oh my God! I started doing it during the pandemic, and I've built this weird following of aggravated middle-aged women who come to my shows just from sitting with me during the pandemic when I'm on my porch. It's intimate. I, yeah, some of the Instagram lives I've done. I did a few of those in pandemic as well. How'd they go? It's fun. I mean, it's it's. It feels good. It's yeah. like some. It feels. Well, it was to help me connect and realize yes. that to be in audience brain. Yeah. You know, like oh, I'm doing a thing for people. You know, because in the pandemic that wasn't happening. It was gone. Yeah. So it helped me a lot, and people. But yeah, people were very grateful for it. Totally. All right. So now during this talk, uh, did I uh, was I uh, did I offend you or insult you or? Yeah, that was really hard. Which part? You really, you really, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, was I was I condescending and old-minded in any way? I'm going to need an incident report, and I'm going to file it with SAG, regardless <laughs> of whether or not that makes sense in this context. Well, I tried to I fight the sort of the like the my initial reaction to uh, you know to. Um, to like, like I, again, like once I saw the stand up, I'm like, oh, she's a stand up. And w- yeah. once I watched the sketch, I'm like, I'm not sure I understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but now I understand what's happening, and you know, I didn't want to be uh, rude or be old guy. Absolutely, no, that, wanna, that did not happen. I didn't want to. Oh, I didn't want to old guy you in the comedian way. No, no, we talked about the lose, and we talked about yeah, Rick Shapiro. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you. Very nice. Thank you for having me, Mark. Yeah. Truly. And Colonics. We talked about Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> we really went far. We did. All right. Kate Berlant. That was, a, that was a good talk. I enjoyed that. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to make of her. And now I know. Okay. No music today. Okay. Just some size. Size. Boomer lives. Monkey. LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere.